Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to the Insert Clever and Witty Name Here podcast. My name is Mike, and I want to apologize right out the gate for not getting this to you yesterday. This past weekend was a bit of a rough weekend in that this past weekend, the services for my dad were held. So needless to say, it was incredibly emotional and didn't get much sleep between the emotion of things and seeing family I haven't seen in years and meeting family with my sister's husband's mom and dad came out and it was great spending some time with them for one of the first times. She recently got remarried a few years ago now and I met them at her wedding and I think maybe that was the last time I've ever seen them but they flew out from the Boston area and I had family that came out from the Chicagoland area in Illinois. So with the obvious emotion of what happened this past weekend and seeing family I hadn't seen in years, uh, and then compound that with getting on the road late and not getting much sleep going from Sunday into Monday. Needless to say, I was more than just a little drained come Monday afternoon when I got home, and I was going to catch a quick little nap on the couch, 45 minutes tops, was going to wake up and knock out the podcast, and <laughs> my wife got home around 5.30 or so, was tugging up my shirt and said, ah, where's dinner? <laughs> so needless to say, family priorities took a precedent after that. So I apologize for not getting this to you yesterday. But I will spend quite a bit of time talking about how things went this past weekend and how nerve-wracking it was giving my dad's eulogy. Wow, that was about as difficult as I thought it was going to be. But I had it built up to be incredibly difficult, thinking it was going to be a cakewalk compared to how much I was building it up. No, it, it definitely met expectations, if not exceeded them just maybe a little bit. But I'll spend a lot more time talking about that in a little while. I want to spend the first part of our time together, this go-around, talking about insecurities. With one thing I mentioned on the air this morning and something else I touched on as well, um, I'm going to admit something first off before I even get into the story about Justin Timberlake and Lance Bass and the... Um, war of words between them on their socials, which you may or may not have heard about. But I'm here to tell you right now, I have insecurities. I think we all do when it comes to social media. Now, the story between the two of them more so involved a DM, a direct message from Lance Bass to Justin Timberlake. The way the story goes, apparently at some point, maybe a month or so ago, Lance Bass reached out to JT, Justin Timberlake, and hit him up with a, a DM, a direct message, text message, whatever it was, is something that was just intended for him. And apparently Lance waited and waited, waited a little longer, and never got a response to that DM. So Lance Bass did what Lance Bass did. He jumped on TikTok. And I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's a video of these other guys uh, dancing, and you could tell that he's a, a CG image in front of them, Lance Bass was, but they're all doing the same dance, 
And then the message that pops up just over Lance Bass's head was something to the effect. In fact, I think I have it here. Yes, I do. When JT finally responds to my text, <laughs> with the difference being, boy, when JT responds, won't I be happy? And so having a little fun at his expense because apparently some time had gone between Lance sending the message to, and who knows if Justin Timberlake ever responded. He did eventually respond with this. Once those babies show up, your unavailability will all make sense, bro. I love the bro at the end. <laughs> so basically saying, hey, it's because I'm a dad and because I have responsibilities. I, there are some times things slip through the cracks that wouldn't have back in my bachelor days. But now that I'm married and have kids, that takes precedent sometimes to a text message. Bad excuse because it's a text message. I, I've never liked the expression... I haven't had time for fill in the blank. You have had time for it. You just didn't prioritize it. I mean, let's be honest. How's the longest it takes to respond to a text message? I guess it depends on what it is, granted. But if it's just a quick, hey, how's it going? And again, we still have no idea what the text that Lance Bass sent to JT was. But even just a simple... Hey, dude, can't get to it right now. Give me a week and I'll get back to you or whatever. Just something to let the other person know that they got your message. And I'm guilty of it, too, at times. Uh, for example, um, in touching on the services from my father this past weekend, there were some friends of mine, family as well, on my wife's side that had reached out and asked me, what time services were going to be this past weekend. And it, with everything going on, I, I flaked. Uh, I truly did, and I did not get back to them. With the members of my wife's family, I assumed that my wife would reach out to them, and I had to check with her to find out if she had or not. But still, they had reached out to me, so that's on me to respond. With friends of mine who ultimately weren't able to stop by because I didn't give them enough heads up, that's, again, 100% on me. I got to own that. So I get how sometimes things slip through the cracks. So that's where things were as far as the messaging back and forth. So there was a, a text at first, and then it became visible to everyone with Lance Bass's TikTok. So JT's response was also... To that TikTok video, Lance Bash responded with a very simple touche, <laughs> which is about all you can say in that situation. And that's the gist of the actual story, but there's so much more to it because getting back to what I mentioned a moment ago with insecurities, I have them. I don't know to what degree you may have them as well, but Jennifer Grant, who is on right after me on my 97.5 from 10 until 3 every day, she and I were just talking about this last week. And I was trying to figure out a way I could have this conversation about an insecurity that I have. And I have read uh, multiple different places, and there may be a clinical term for it, but psychologists noting that social networking sites were all about originally helping you stay social, helping you stay connected to friends, family members, loved ones, whatever it happens to be. And in far too many cases, it tends to do just the opposite. It, it will sometimes drive a stake between you and someone else because, and this is what 
bites me in the ass every once in a while. You post something on your socials. Maybe even you post something with someone in mind. You know, you just, you know, because you know them as well as you do. That when they see this, they're going to respond. Whether it's with a heart emoji or a care emoji or at the very least a thumbs up. And this happens specifically in some of the um, psychology reports that I've read when, say, you post something and a friend of yours, maybe it's a meme, and a friend of yours posts maybe the exact same meme or something very similar to it, and you've posted yours maybe a day or so before they posted theirs and you check theirs out later and they didn't take it from you. Again, maybe it's a slightly different one, but more people end up liking theirs as opposed to liking yours. This is part of that same insecurity where you post something and you're thinking, okay, well, so-and-so is going to respond and you know, this one is going to respond and that one's probably going to say that. You're testing almost in a sense how well you know your own friends, coworkers, whatever it happens to be. So when that person... Those people, maybe it's a group of friends of yours, don't respond in any way, shape, or form. I get it. I really do. It gets me too. And I'm, I'm not happy to admit it, but it is something that I have noticed, especially with the posts, with the passing of my dad. I never posted anything with the intention of getting more likes or cares or anything else, but I go through every once in a while just to see who's responded. I think as we all do, one thing that I've, I've always believed that no one, no one has ever posted anything online and said, I hope nobody reacts to this. You want people to react. Now, that having been said, I have Facebook friends of mine, I'm sure you do too, that only do things for the reaction of it. I in a lot of cases, don't know them incredibly well personally to know what type of person they are outside the world of social media to find out if they really like ruffling feathers as much as they seem to online or if they're only doing that to get the reaction. And then they admit to doing that as well. And they'll nine times out of 10 get that reaction. But here's the thing, though. It's a lot like the boy who cried wolf, if that's all you ever post, people eventually will catch on and stop reacting to it because they know it's just noise at that point. When it comes to something emotional and something touching uh, that will pull in your heartstrings, like with the passing of my dad and my posts on him and seeing some people that I thought I was closer to, I guess, not respond in any way. Now, and Jennifer Grant pointed this out to me, you have to be, you have to be a little careful in, in jumping on someone because of them not responding. We are all subject to the Facebook algorithm. And mine is not the same as yours. Just because I see all of one friend's posts doesn't mean they necessarily see any of mine. As odd as that sounds, I know that's how it works. That's why, and I mentioned this on the air previously, there is a an option, whether it be with mobile 
or with the desktop version of Facebook in particular, of you seeing the most recent posts. In fact, you know what? I know you may have your phone handy. So in case you're curious how that works, so you launch your Facebook app, and down in the bottom right-hand corner, you see where it says Menu. Click on that, and you've got groups and videos on Watch, and pages, saved, marketplace, friends, memories. Somewhere in that group you will see most recent. You click on that and this will open up an entire new world to you. There was this post going around on Facebook a while back. that said, copy and paste this and you'll see friends of yours because it messes up the Facebook algorithm. Well, that was debunked. But this, this does. I'm seeing posts from just now, one minute ago. Uh, there's the sponsor posts that pop in every once in a while. One minute ago, one minute ago, two minutes ago, three minutes ago. So depending on how many people you follow, how many friends you have, it's going to be now I'm at four minutes ago and then five. So just give that a shot if you want to see some friends of yours you haven't seen previously. Again, on the menu portion for Facebook, just find the most recent option. And there's no way to default to it, unfortunately. You do have to do that each time you want to see the most recent messages that pop up. But I'm in doing that just now, I'm seeing messages from friends of mine that I forgot were Facebook friends of mine. So it's, it's cool to do that every once in a while. I don't know if the other social networking sites have anything similar. I think with Twitter, it always does it that way. Why Facebook doesn't default to that way and you can change it to the algorithm? Well, probably because Facebook loves their algorithm. Uh, they're much smarter than we are. So that's, that's what that's all about. But that all branches from my insecurity, and I'm willing to admit that. But at the same time, as I said, I know that others have that same insecurity as well. So embrace it. Realize you're not alone in it. And if it makes you a little insecure when you see that not enough people, by your estimation, are liking or commenting on a particular post, step away from the Facebook for a little while. Breathe in, breathe out, call an actual friend of yours, and remember that life did exist without Facebook, and at some point, you know, maybe it's time to just walk away from it for a little while. Speaking of insecurity, something else I wanted to get to. And I am so glad... I really am that because this could have gone a couple different ways. I'm so glad for the most part what I've seen online since this happened this morning has been nothing but positive for Simone Biles. I got in this morning a little after five o'clock and I had seen that the women's gymnastic team, they were in competition. The, the team, the team um, medals were awarded earlier today. And then the individual competitions will take place later in the Olympics. But they always do the team side first. And it was announced that uh, Simone Biles had taken herself out of the competition. Now, uh, this is taken directly from Dan Wetzel. Uh, he's a columnist, does a lot of stuff with Yahoo News. So he mentioned, uh, it was a third, fourth paragraph in, she, Simone Biles, did not appear to suffer any obvious physical injury during her attempt. And 
this happened right after her vault. She was supposed to do a certain type of vault with a certain level of difficulty. She decided to do an easier vault. Just wasn't feeling it. It happens all the time. And had a little bit of a stumble with the landing, a little bit of a hop, if you will. Didn't seem to injure herself. But then it goes on to say, NBC reported that she was dealing with a mental issue, not a physical one. Next line of the paragraph, USA Gymnastics would just describe it as a medical issue. From that point on, everything I saw was medical. So I hopped on this morning, started talking about it a little bit. I did note that NBC is saying mental, USA Gymnastics is saying physical, don't know what's happening. And then about 7 o'clock or so our time, I'm not sure what time that would have been in Tokyo, the post-team gymnastics competition press conference took place. And Simone Biles was obviously there and obviously asked question upon question upon question, and she did say it was a mental issue. And some things have come out subsequent to that. I can let you look those up online if you're a little bit more curious about them. But she has, and I didn't know this, she has battled, as she puts it, demons in the past. Voices creeping in her head telling her that she can't do something and she's not prepared for it. And you do something, especially like a vault, where you are literally vaulting yourself 10, 15, whatever it is, feet up in the air, there is a very real possibility of suffering a career-ending injury as a result, whether it be in the vault itself and pushing yourself off that vault or with the landing or whatever it happens to be. And to be in that situation and not be locked in 100% mentally is dangerous now did it have anything to do with the fact that there were very few crowds and she's used to hearing the roar of the fans possibly was it because the olympics have been delayed a year and there is still the ongoing threat of COVID 19 not only for her fellow gymnasts but for other team members maybe even friends and family members of hers knowing that they couldn't be there because from my understanding with the Olympics, the only ones who are allowed in the stadium are locals. And even then capacity is being limited. So there are no international fans or spectators at any of these events. And if you've seen some of the events, you've seen very few people in the crowds. In some cases, nobody in the crowds. And was that a factor? Again, who knows? At some point, I'm sure she will have a sit down, maybe even after the games are done, maybe write a book, whatever it happens to be. I haven't seen it yet. I know I'm going to from someone saying it's an attention grab. Hey, you got to suck it up. I'm already hearkening back to the Naomi Osaka incident from a few weeks ago where she pulled herself out of the French Open because she felt some of those demons talking to her and she thought the best way to handle the situation was to just not do press conferences after any of her matches and officials told her well if you're not going to do that you may as well just not compete and to not be a distraction to the other competitors that's exactly what she did she pulled herself 
out of the tournament. In a very real sense, that's what happened with Simone Biles earlier this morning. She didn't have what it took today mentally. She just wasn't able to lock in. And she talked a little bit about that earlier and that she had tried. She really tried, and she's on medications to help her with it as well. I don't know if she takes them day of. Um, sometimes some of those medications will will dull things a little too much, and you want to be ultra-sharp and ultra-focused during an actual match, and maybe that was part of it. She decided that she couldn't take her usual medications today. The way it sounds, at least, is, again, she did the ball. She decreased the difficulty of it. Still didn't do as well with it as you expect from her. Arguably the greatest U.S. gymnast of all time. And then apparently was preparing for the next discipline. And I don't know if she realized she still didn't have her head in the game or if it was a team decision, but... She had herself all wrapped up and ready for it, her wrists and her hands, and took those wrappings off, and she didn't compete in another event in the team gymnastics. No one has announced, as I'm sitting here right now, what's going to happen as far as her individual competitions with all the disciplines that are involved in women's gymnastics. Uh, I guess it's going to be a, a game-time decision. But, and again, I'm so happy that what I have seen on socials to this point has been nothing but supportive of what she's going through and realizing there is a connection when it comes to something like this where you're competing at the highest level imaginable. We're talking, granted, it's a team sport, but it's, it's an individual event that you're taking part in that she pulled herself away from. And I'm dreading it already. I know I'm going to see it, especially if she competes in the individual events and she medals in all of them, gets gold in all of them, maybe even sets some world record marks. There is going to be that doubter, that hater who doesn't get it, who's going to chime in with something to the effect of, well, sure. When it's all just about her, she's able to step her game up. When it's a team competition, she's not able to do it for the team. The timing on it sucks. I get it. I get the optics of it. I understand all of that. But really, you're going to question the, the dedication, the drive, the want of an Olympic, literally a, an Olympic-style athlete who competes on the highest level imaginable, something that most of us couldn't even dream of, what it takes to get there to begin with, and then to continue that event after event, year after year, Olympic Games after Olympic Games, something caught up with her today. We've all had bad days. I do my show every single day on my 97.5. And I can tell you, going back and listening, now I, I, I give it to you as best I can every day. But there are days, I will be honest with you, I know I don't have it. And listen, I'm not on in New York 
I'm not on in Chicago. I'm not on in Los Angeles, San Diego, any one of the, the major media outlets. I'm on a Visalia. I don't even know what rank Visalia is. And I still give you everything I have. And I, I lay it on the table for you, but there are times I realize, nope, don't have it today. And there are times I have something planned I really want to give you, and I realize just before I do it, nope, I can't do that break today. I can't. I, I, I want that break to be so good that I just I can't do it today because I know I can't do it to the best of my ability. I, I can just feel it. I can sense it. If you've never been in that situation, it's kind of hard to describe. But the combination of of physically and mentally being together. And sometimes it's the physical that will keep you from doing what it is you need to do. The same thing goes with mental. There are mental demons that creep in, again, as she said, that will prevent her from being her absolute best. And when that happens, especially in a team competition, and this is where I will throw it back in somebody else's face, not being a team player, not being a team player is still going out there and saying, I know I don't have 100% of my game today, but I'm going to give you 75% of who I am. And I think my 75% is better than somebody else's 100% on this team. No, that's, that's selfish. That's not being a team player. A team player knows, Coach, I'm out of gas. I don't have it today. I can't get my head in it. Whatever it happens to be, whether it's a physical obstacle or a mental one, as was the case with Simone Biles today, a team player is the one who says, damn it, no, I, I, I'm not going to be selfish and think that I have to be the one to lead us to victory. I got to rely on my team. It happens in team sports all the time. How many times do you watch a football game on Sunday and you'll see, for example, uh, a linebacker blow his assignment because he thinks the lineman is going to blow his and will overcommit to a run that turns into a pass that turns into a touchdown. And you'll see the announcers break out the telestrators and circle this. Oh, well, you see the linebacker here. He really bid on that fake. Well, maybe he bid on the fake. Maybe he just didn't trust his own teammates to do the right thing. It really happens quite a bit with kickoffs where how many times do you hear if you watch football at all, especially with kickoff and punt returns, you got to stay in your lane. You got to trust if a player's taking the ball down the left-hand side and you're on the far right-hand side, well, you got to stay on that right-hand side, especially if it's a unique player in the NFL who could reverse his field. Next thing you know, they're coming on your side. If you bite and go towards the middle of the field and you get beat on outside containment, six points, done. And it's because you didn't trust your teammates to do the job. That's what Simone Biles did. That's all she did today. Knowing she didn't have it, she trusted her teammates. And the fact that they got silver, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Granted, Team USA in female gymnastics has had this historic run of 
getting gold after gold after gold and Olympic Games after Olympic Games after Olympic Games. But still, at some point, everything comes to an end. And it gives Team USA something to shoot for next time around in well, three years now, <laughs> as it turns out, since the 2020 Games are being played in 2021. So if she does hit the floor, hit the vault, hit all the other disciplines in female gymnastics and excels beyond anyone's wildest expectations when it comes to the individual side of the Olympic Games in the days to come, I don't want to hear anybody saying, well, shame on you because you couldn't do it when it was the team that would have benefited, but as soon as it's you benefiting, then sure, you can be all about making sure you do your absolute best. The timing sucked, period, end of sentence. It happens to the best of us, and it doesn't get much better than Simone Biles physically and 99 times out of 100 mentally. Have you ever heard anything like this happen with her previously? I haven't. So, sticking with the theme of insecurities, I was a little insecure going into this past weekend, wanting to do my mom proud, wanting to, to feel as though my dad was there in that church as I gave his eulogy. Um, I mentioned last week, that I knew I couldn't write a verbatim eulogy. And one of my dad's previous co-workers actually gave a eulogy after I gave mine this past weekend. And his was, for the most part, written verbatim. He kind of set things up a little bit um, on the fly first and then had a prepared speech that he read after that. I had exactly two <laughs> Three by five cards. And I um, and I should have mentioned this in the speech. The first time I spoke it out loud, I had kind of had my head wrapped around how I wanted it to go. The first time I actually said it out loud, I took a little walk from my house to this park. It's nearby. And it's the same park that we visited with my parents the weekend before he um, developed symptoms of West Nile, which ultimately took his life. So as I'm talking out loud and going through the points I wanted to hit and how to segue from one to the next and walking on this little walking trail and passing people, and not caring <laughs> that I was talking out loud. Um, it um, brought a tear to my eye, just remembering that he was there less than a month ago, walking that same trail with us. So I wrapped my brain around how I wanted it to go, and I worked on a couple things, and I practiced a couple more times, and then... The morning of the services were held this past Saturday at 2 o'clock at St. Rose of Lima, Roman Catholic Church in Paso Robles. I woke up, um, butterflies, um, 
I, I, I just, I really wanted my mom to be happy with what I said. And I wanted everyone there to know at some point I was talking about the person they knew, whether they knew him from the standpoint of uh, the incredible agent that he was or the incredible uncle that he was and the incredible dad that he was and husband. So I'll give you the cliff note version of the speech. I'll give you the intro and the outro. I started off by mentioning the weekend before his services, something happened that had never happened before, and I had no idea when they were going to happen again. For the first time ever, my sister, who lives in Boston, and her two nephews, one who lives in Paso Robles, the other one is going to Sac State, my mom, who lives in Paso Robles, and my family, my son, my daughter, my wife, were all here at our house. That had never happened before. And again, I have no idea if and when it'll ever happen again, especially with my sister living in Boston. So at one point, the kids were playing in the pool, and my nephew, Adam, was outside the pool tossing the football to the boys. And by the way, if my nephew, Adam, is listening, uh, don't worry, you don't owe me for a football because it finally did come out of the pine tree. <laughs> we were a little concerned about that, but a stiff enough breeze blue and we've got the football back and my mom my sister and my wife were sitting poolside probably talking about my dad and I was at the grill and it just so happens the way our backyard is set up my back is to everything going on as I'm facing the, the neighbor's fence and I'm hearing the splashing and the playing in the pool and I'm hearing the conversation poolside and a few times I would turn around and just saw that sight and knew how incredibly happy my dad would have been to have seen that, especially knowing my sister and I have not always gotten along. I'm sure we'll have more rough roads to hoe in the months and years to come, and we'll cross those rough bridges when we get to them. So at times when we have not gotten along, we wouldn't have wanted to be in the same city, to say nothing of the same backyard. And my dad was aware of all those issues at times that would pop up. So to see us all together with family, which really meant so much to my dad, would have been incredible. And then I, I say that also knowing that the only reason any of that was even possible because my dad is no longer with us. And I mentioned all that. And then I went into different aspects of his life as an agent, as an uncle, as a sometimes fair-weather Chicago sports fan, as a dad, as a husband. And then I doubled back to that story. I said, if you could do me a favor, at some point this weekend, if you could just take a step back from whatever's going on, not physically, but at least mentally, and try to see what you see through my dad's eyes and just know how happy he would be 
to see all of this, to see all of his friends together and all the different aspects of his life under one roof, whether it be at the church or afterwards in the hall and to be a part of all of that. And his friends in one area talking about the George they remember and my cousins talking with me about the uncle they remember and my mom kind of intermixing it with because my mom you think about it your spouse depending on how close you are to them is the only one that really gets to know all of those people with all of those hats she worked with him they owned together a um insurance agency in Paso Robles. That was the last position my dad had before he retired. He owned his own business. It was always a dream of his, and he had the chance to do it toward the end of his professional career. He owned the business with my mom, so I, I could never do it. I love my wife, but <laughs> I, I need my me time. So I'm, I'm glad I get a chance to do what I do every single day on my 97.5, and I'm sure she's very happy as well, having her her time away from me and the kids. But they did that so she knew intimately those who he worked with, clients and everything else, and obviously knew of his relationship with his nieces and nephews and all had the same friends. My dad didn't have any friends that I'm aware of that he had to himself or vice versa with a mom. I mean, with everyone, you have people you get along with better or worse, but they, they went on uh, multiple vacations with different couples from different facets of their life, whether it was couples from when we lived in Illinois or they had a lake house at one point at Lake Nascimento. And they held some of those friendships right towards the very end. And many of them were there this past weekend. So to see all those conversations go on afterwards, and again, asking if you could just take a step back and, and, and look at, what you see through his eyes and know how happy he would be to see all of that, to be a, a part of all of that. I believe in God. I believe in heaven. I don't know how it works. And that has been one of the frustrating things for me. I don't like over-romanticizing things just to make me feel better. Every time I want to talk to my dad, I tell myself, I don't know if he's able to hear me. You know, the Bible is very clear on prayer that you pray to Jesus Christ through God. So it doesn't say anything about talking to loved ones who have passed. That's not to say it's not beneficial to have those conversations, whether that person hears them or not. How many times have you had a conversation with a coworker of yours that never heard that conversation because you were game planning it? You're trying to figure out, okay, so I, I have this problem with this coworker. Let me let me game plan this. As I like to tell my wife at times when I'm going to have a meeting with a boss, I say, let's play chess. You know, meaning that. Let me say this, and then you say that, and how could this conversation go so it's mutually beneficial for all involved? 
uh, it's um, it's an interesting dynamic when you lose someone. The way I thought about it today and thinking about talking with you was that um, it's it's kind of like Christmas where the holiday happens, the season is done. As much as you loved it, and in some cases maybe you don't like certain aspects of it, the season is over, you put everything in that box, those boxes, and you put them away. That's kind of like what this was. It was a celebration. It was Christmas for my dad having that celebration of life and seeing friends and family there and being a part of that. And then afterwards, it was about putting that celebration in a box and putting that box on the shelf, not knowing, unlike an actual holiday, when you're going to open that box again, but knowing you can at any time revisit that box. I talked to my mom today as I do every single day, and I have since the whole COVID-19 thing became a major issue, especially here in California, with shelter at home, if not orders, at least recommendations a year or so ago, and knowing that they were taking the situation almost as seriously as we were as a family. I got into the habit of calling them every day, and I miss hearing my dad answer. There's still that little want in me, uh, that naive Mike who wants to hear his voice pick up the phone. It hasn't happened yet. (laughs) Um, But I talked with her today. I can tell she was having a rough day, and a lot of that was because the box got closed this past weekend. And now it's about what's next? How does life go on? What does life look like without her husband? Up until this point, it was sitting down with my sister or talking with me or doing things on her own but getting ready for the day and the weekend, this past weekend, with family coming from Illinois and Boston to be a part of what this past weekend was. Once that's over, it's over. And now, again, whatever life is going to be like from this point on begins. If you pray, I ask you to continue to pray for my mom. I think I'm okay. Um, It'll it'll gut punch me. It'll sucker punch me every once in a while. Uh, I'll see a picture of him or something will remind me of of him and maybe something will happen during a Cubs game that I would know the phone would ring <laughs> and he'd be complaining about it or something that I would see that I don't want to talk with him about and I, I'll go to reach for the phone and I'll stop myself. Those moments are going to happen. I'm not too 
proud to admit that when they do, I'm going to lose it. Yet I don't think I'm done losing it over my dad. I also, in my eulogy, mentioned as terrible as COVID-19 was and continues to be with the Delta variant and everything else, that it was because of COVID-19 that I had the chance to connect with my mom and dad in a way I don't know that I ever would have had it not have happened and got a chance to get to know them in ways I know I never would have otherwise. So I hate saying it, but I, in a very real sense, I'm grateful for it because I don't know what other catalyst would have existed to, um, to allow that to happen. So if I could give you any takeaway from this week, I guess I'd give you two. One, realize when you do feel insecure, you're not alone. Uh, Lance Bass is insecure. Simone Biles has her demons. I, geez, am team captain for insecurity at times. So embrace it. Realize it's okay. Don't go overboard with it. But realize we're all only human. And for any loved ones that you've lost, take that step back. And if you can, try to see what you're looking at through their eyes and know that they love you. I hope that they're with you. And I hope you come back again next week to see what fun we can get into then. Take care. <laughs>